This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord, family. It is so good to be back here with you this morning in person. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to have a wonderful time the next three weeks. A wonderful time. Pastor Bev is in Cape Town speaking for Dr. Alan Bagg, and she's having a ladies' meeting there too. So um, a ladies' conference like she's going to be having here next Saturday. And uh, she sends her love. And San Antonio sends their love. Everybody loves you. <laughs> Amen. So praise God. Now, we're going to be bringing in the church from San Antonio here this morning. So I'll be speaking to both churches. And um, I'd like you, if you don't mind, to show them how that CFC Johannesburg can welcome people. Can you do that? All right. And um, I'm so glad you're here for this message. This is a life-changing message today. You'll never be the same after this. Never. It's going to be a little longer than normal, but I think you'll get out more or less the same time because you've cut back on other things. So, praise God. I'm going to pray first, and then we're going to welcome San Antonio. Father, bow before you today. We thank you for the wonderful Word of God. As I come to teach this morning, I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach, but I am trusting in you. And therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. I thank you for supernatural recall of the scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to each and every person's mind under the sound of my voice, bringing understanding and removing confusion. That your word will enter every heart, bringing faith, dispelling all fear for which we give you alone all the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. So, when I say welcome, San Antonio, you clap, shout, dance, do cartwheels, whatever you want to do. And the camera's going to go right on you, so... That'll be fun. All right, you ready? Let's welcome San Antonio to church this morning. Praise God, we are at our Sunday morning 8.30 service today. Praise the Lord. Just to let you know, I will be doing, personally, the next service at, what time is that, Dr. Johnny? 10.30. I'll be doing that one as well in person. Well, praise God. Let's get right into the Word here this morning, and you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Our subject is titled, The Supernatural Power of Intercession. The Supernatural Power of Intercession. And this is part five in our series. We've got one more to go. That's next weekend. 
This message is extremely important because it's the only way we can change nations. It's the only way we can change nations. We can change governments. We can change cities. We can change people by applying this principle of intercession. And uh, I do believe it's been of great help to you, but today's message is extremely important, and next week. All right, at times when we intercede for the lost, we feel like we are lost ourselves. When we travel, sorry, when we travail for those who are oppressed by demons, we may feel oppressed or even depressed ourselves. When we intercede this way, we know we are interceding on behalf of people in these circumstances because we go through them very often in spirit. Some burdens can last for hours or even days. Even though prayer may be interrupted because of our commitments, the burden will not leave us. Even if we stop praying, the burden will not leave us. So don't reject the burden. Carry on praying when you can. And let's pray fervently. James 5.16 says, The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Say that, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The fervent prayer. It doesn't say a casual prayer, an indifferent prayer that will not work not get the job done. I was praying fervently for a Sunday evening service way back in, 19, in April 5, 1998. A Sunday afternoon, I was led by the Lord to pray fervently in the Spirit for that evening service, for that 6 p.m. evening service. At the time, it used to be 6 p.m. Now it's at 5, right? The burden continued to persist right up until 20 minutes to six. Now, I was at home in my study praying. I knew I still had to go get dressed, and I had to drive all the way to church, and it's impossible to get there in 20 minutes. Impossible. And do all that. In my heart, I knew God understood this. He knew what I still had to do to get to church, and yet the burden continued. He wanted me to continue praying. So I perceived that I have to pray and it was God's will, so I carried on. So what was the result? Well, firstly, I got to church a little late during the praise and worship. And during that evening service, the Holy Spirit told me of a woman who had been molested five times. So I said, is there someone here you have been molested five times? Could you please come forward? And this woman came out. I asked her to forgive the people that had molested her. And after a while, she agreed to do it. I prayed for her, and demons came out of this woman with loud voices. The Holy Spirit then told me about somebody who had run away from home. So I said, is there somebody here who just run away from home today? And so this young girl, 18 years old, I found out, came forward crying to the front. And the Holy Spirit showed me some personal things that took place in her life. And then I spoke to her about it, and she began to cry. 
And I said to her, it's your parents, and you need to forgive them, especially your father, for what he's done to you. And eventually she agreed, and demons came out of this young girl. That Sunday night, about 15 different people were delivered in similar fashion from various problems. It was a great deliverance evening. Many were helped supernaturally by the power of God. Now, the way to develop in intercessory prayer is, I'm going to give you a few tips. You might want to write these down. The way you can develop yourself in intercessory prayer. Very important what you're going to hear right now. Dedicate some specific time to prayer. Don't just pray when you feel like it. Dedicate a specific time of your day to prayer. And don't let anything else interrupt that. That must be priority number one in your life. Number two, get alone with God and shut out the world. Number three, pray with your understanding and then move into praying in tongues. So you'll set the stage by praying in your understanding for what you're going to be praying about. And then you go on to praying in tongues. All right, number four, have a notepad to write notes so your mind is not distracted because you are going to be distracted as you pray. Write those things down so you can attend to them when you're done. Don't stop praying to do that. Just write it down while you're praying and then deal with it later on. Number five, learn to persevere in fervent prayer in tongues until the sense of victory comes into your heart. Learn to persevere in prayer, in tongues, until you sense the victory in your heart, until you sense joy and the burden lifts. Number six, don't stop until you sense complete victory, even if you have to carry on. If you're interrupted and you can't avoid it, then carry on and do that until you sense complete victory. Number seven, join a mature, Holy Spirit-filled prayer group that will help you grow in your intercessory prayer life. Number eight, those who understand this kind of praying need to teach younger Christians about this dimension of prayer. Sadly, this is something that is literally very little understood, little understood in the modern church, the subject of intercessory prayer, not understood in the modern church. We need to pass this on. Train others, lest this art of intercession is lost to future generations if the Lord should tarry. That's a very real danger because I sense it's really happened. The Lord may wake you up at night to intercede for someone. You can pray quietly in tongues in your bed, but make sure you get to grips with it uh, so that you don't disturb somebody. You can pray quietly. But if you feel like you can't, then get up out of bed, go to some place that's on your own, some room where you can be by yourself and pray out loud. 
Every believer must include praying for their nation. Say that. Every believer, not some, not most, say every believer must include praying for their nation. In this session today, we will begin looking at how we can change the course of a nation through intercessory prayer. Say so that today, we'll start looking at how to change the course of a nation. We'll see the impact prayer has upon nations, both in biblical times and today in current times. Each generation has this responsibility. It is a great privilege. Every generation of Christians has this responsibility, and it's a privilege, child of God. God can use us to open the door for His Spirit to be poured out upon our generation. And if it doesn't happen, if we don't pray, it's not going to happen. We do not need to wait for a burden to pray. We can step into this dimension of prayer and start interceding for our nation without waiting for a burden to pray. There are great rewards waiting in eternity for those who pay the price in prayer for others. Say that there is great rewards awaiting in eternity for those who pay the price and pray for others. Jesus told us to go into the highways and the byways and compel people to come in, that he said that my house may be filled. He said that in Luke 14, 23. Compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. As we have already discussed, I would like to reemphasize it. First of all, pray for all people everywhere before we pray for ourselves. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them and intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Intercede on their behalf. That means take their place in prayer, pray in their place because they don't know how to pray for them. So first of all, what's first of all mean? It means before we do anything else. Before we pray for ourselves, before we pray for our families, we are instructed by God to pray for all people everywhere. Amen? Not just Christians, unsaved as well. Pray for kings. Pray for all who are in authority. For presidents. The next verse says, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so we can live peaceably and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Uh, dignity. So when we pray like that for people in authority, it will bring peace, according to that verse, in our nation. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. We are told specifically to pray for those in authority, including church leaders, including church leaders. 
politicians, government officials, kings or presidents, business leaders, and community leaders, all who have influence, pray for them. Pray for those who are making decisions that influence the lives of other people, that influence the lives of nations. Are you tracking me? Pray for those who influence the lives of people and of nations. The church can make a difference. And only the church can make this difference. God's ultimate purpose in having us pray for those in authority is so that we can spread the gospel and people can get saved. Because if there's violence and crime everywhere, you can't even go into some suburbs and talk about the Lord to them. But if there's peace everywhere, can you imagine a place of peace with no fences? And everybody can talk to anybody. How easy it would be to spread the gospel. Quietness and peace in a nation will allow this to happen. If the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would pray seriously and intercede for those in authority in our nations, most of the crime would stop. And most of the problems we face would stop. The economy would improve. And unemployment would disappear. Employment would increase. We can make a difference, church. Pray for all elections. Don't let elections go by without interceding for elections. We must intercede and elect godly people into office. Born-again Christians must be elected into office. If somebody is not born again, if they are not saved, their father is the devil. And they're under his control. I can give you several scriptures to prove that. He has one. 1 John 5, 19 tells us, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole unsaved world lies under sway or control or influence of Satan. Said that the unsaved are under the control of demons. We must intercede against these powers, these demonic spirits. When problems occur in our nation, it is because the church has not travailed in prayer. So whatever we don't like about our countries, it's because we haven't been praying. It's a bitter pull to swallow, but it's the truth. Demon spirits are at work behind the scenes. People in authority sometimes make wrong decisions because they have been influenced by demons. The Word of God gives us the solution as to how we are to stop these demons. Many bad decisions made by leaders could have been prevented if the church had interceded as instructed. In prayer, we confront the forces of darkness that influence our leaders. 
As we intercede, we put pressure on Satan. We demand that he release his grip on people. The devil is influencing everyone who is unsaved. And he has another scripture to prove that. Ephesians 2 verse 2, New Living Translation. You used to live just like the rest of the world. Before you were a Christian, born again, you used to live just like the rest of the world, the unsaved. Full of sin, obeying Satan. Said that the unsaved obey Satan. The mighty prince of the power of the air. Said that Satan is the mighty prince of the power of the air. I'll talk about that in a little while. He is the spirit of work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Said that, that, say that Satan and demons are at work in the heart of the unsaved. Can you see why we should not elect people that are not born again? Because then Satan's going to be running our country. Do you want to give our nation to the hands of the devil? Do you think you can trust him? He knows that it kills, steal, and destroy. That's all he knows. Ephesians 6, verse 10. A final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood but against the evil rulers of authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realm. Wicked spirits were in the heavenly realm. So we see that these demons are ruling this world, not the Christian, the unsaved. Over and over and over again, you see that in the Word of God. I can't understand for the life of me how a believer can vote for somebody that they don't know is born again. And then they wonder why they have what they asked for. With tears in my eyes, I ask you. The New King James translation says, we wrestle against unseen demonic powers. There are three heavens spoken of in the Bible. Number one, the atmosphere around us is the first heaven. The atmosphere around us is the first heaven. Number two, the heaven above us where the planets and stars are is the second heaven. And then the heaven of heavens where God's throne is is the third heaven. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 3, that Paul was caught up to the third heaven and went and stood in the presence of God. In Ephesians 6, verse 12, Paul talks about demonic spirits active in the heavens. This takes place in the first heaven, in the atmosphere, the lowest heaven all around us. This is where the fight takes place when we make intercession for peoples and nations. This is where the fight takes place. 
we are wrestling with these demon spirits in this first heaven, in the atmosphere. We are not wrestling with God. Said that when I pray in the spirit and travail and intercede and wrestle in the spirit, I'm not wrestling with God. I'm not wrestling against God. And I'm not wrestling with people. According to this word here, Ephesians 6.12, we are fighting, wrestling against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in our places. We are, we are in interceding against, wrestling against demonic spirits in the atmosphere around us. We are preventing them from carrying out the assignment and we are mobilizing the angels from continuing on with their assignment. When we pray like that in the Holy Ghost, we're talking to these demons. We're talking to these angels. We're talking to people. We're calling people's names out in the spirit that we don't know and never will probably ever meet. Now the first paragraph, all right. We are looking into the war that is raging between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness in the spirit world. Say so that we are looking into the war that is raging in the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light in the atmosphere around us in the spirit world. The battle for the souls of men, the fight for the nations, is either won or lost in this unseen realm. Say that with me, please. The battle for the souls of men, the fight for the nations, is either won or lost in this unseen realm. Only the supernatural power of intercession in tongues can set nations free. Please say that. Only the supernatural power of intercession in tongues can set nations free. No natural weapon can deal with these demons. Again, no natural weapon can deal with these demons. Do we understand this, child of God? Do we understand this? Only supernatural intercession can deal with these demons. God wants Christians to stand their ground in prayer. We do this knowing that our Lord Jesus Christ has defeated all the rules, the rulers of darkness. Christ has defeated all the rulers of darkness that we are wrestling against. They are all defeated, as I said in the previous sessions. We are not trying to, to conquer Satan. We are not trying to defeat him. When we intercede like this, we are commanding him and demanding that he release something he has no right to hold on to. He's already been defeated by the Lord Jesus. 
Jesus has defeated all these demon spirits, and the earth now belongs to the body of Christ. The earth belongs to the body of Christ. Even so, Satan is controlling much of what happens on the earth by controlling the actions of the unsaved. By working through the unsaved, he is controlling much or most of what happens on earth today. And the church is responsible for letting him do it. Some people think God is in control of everything. Some people think God is managing everything. He's not. If it was all up to God, family, then he would have solved all the problems of the world long ago. There would have been peace. Everybody would be saved long ago, and we'd be going home. Why is the mess here? Because God is trusting us to do with his power and his authority and his weapons what he's instructed us to do. We are in charge. He left the church in charge. 1 John 5, 19, I just read it to you. The whole world is under control of Satan, the unsaved world. Ephesians 2, 2, the unsaved obeys Satan who's working in the heart of the unbeliever. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan is the God of the unsaved. Jesus said that all authority is given to him. All authority. When he rose from the dead, he said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority is given to me. And so how much is left over for Satan? Nothing. All authority was given to Christ when he rose from the dead. And in his name, we have authority over these demon spirits. But we don't have authority over people. God won't force folks to heaven. He won't force folks to do anything. He won't force them to get saved. There's no one in heaven right now, I've said this before, kicking and screaming because they're not happy to be there. God took me here and I didn't want to be here. That's not going to happen. No. We have authority over the demons and we stop them from harassing us. But if you want to help somebody else, you have to intercede for them and exercise authority at the same time. And I explained that in our last session very carefully. I don't want to go over that. I don't have time. That's in part four. Now then, before Jesus returned back to heaven from the Mount of Olives in a cloud, before he left the earth, he delegated all that authority that he won to us. To us. And he said, now whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you allow is allowed. Are you tracking me, church? So if we don't use that authority, we can't blame the world for the mess they get us into. And I don't know how some Christians can be that dumb and still breathe that they would vote for somebody who doesn't know Christ to put them in office to run our lives. I want the devil to run my life. I trust the devil. No, he has no grace. The devil has no grace, no mercy. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why he came. Are you with me? 
Now, the book of Daniel reveals the battle going on between the two kingdoms of light and darkness. Daniel has been taken captive and deported to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon back in 1605 B.C. Hundreds of years before Christ came, Jerusalem was conquered, and the Israelites were taken as slaves to Babylon. And young Daniel was in that group. He was probably around 18 years old, 17 years old, when he was taken. Daniel served in Babylon for 70 years as the right-hand man of the king. He served under King Nebuchadnezzar, the right-hand man for King Nebuchadnezzar. He served the right-hand man of King Belshazzar. And he served under King Darius and under King Cyrus. All four kings, he was their right-hand man. Each time he was promoted to that position. Amazing. A man of amazing wisdom and insight given by God. Now this information which I've just shared with you comes from the Tyndale Life Application Study Bible on page 1374. That's where I got it. Now the book of Daniel shows us that there is a battle going on between the two kingdoms of light and darkness. So that I'm in the kingdom of light. So the book of Daniel shows us that there's a battle going on between these two kingdoms, God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. The scripture reveals an earthly ruler who is under the sway of a satanic ruler, a ruler of darkness, ruling in the heavens. So every kingdom, we'll see that as we move on here now, every kingdom has an earthly king and a demonic prince or king assigned to that king operating in the realm of the heavenlies, in the atmosphere around us, and is communicating with that king all the time and trying to get that king to follow Satan's agenda for that nation. You'll see this now revealed here in the book of Daniel. So go with me, please, to Daniel 9, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Daniel 9, verse 1. It was the first year of the reign of Darius. I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. All right, let's see what's going on here. So Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah. And he sees in the book of Jeremiah that the Israelites must be slaves in uh, Babylon for 70 years and then they'll be released to go back to Jerusalem. He's reading this prophecy. This prophecy he's reading from Jeremiah has not come to pass yet. This was written a long time before 
Daniel read it and before the Israelites were taken from Jerusalem and became slaves. You got it. All right? So he's reading that. Verse 3. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I wore sackcloth, rough sackcloth, and sprinkled myself with ashes. So he prayed. He fasted. He wore rough sackcloth. He put ash on his head. Because of what he read in Jeremiah 25. I think we should go and read what Daniel read in the book of Jeremiah. So let's go to Jeremiah 25, verse 11. This is what Daniel is reading. Then this entire land of Israel will become desolate and wasteland. Israel and her neighboring lands will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. That's going to happen. This is what he's reading. will happen, and of course, it's happening to him. Then, after the seven years of captivity are over, I will punish the king of Babylon and his people for their sins, says the Lord. I will make the country of Babylon an empty wasteland. Now go to Jeremiah 29, verse 10. He's still reading this from Jeremiah. The truth is you will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again, back to Jerusalem after 70 years. Now, so Daniel read that, and he decided that he was going to travail in prayer, fast and pray, in order to bring this prophecy to pass. You got that? He's going to pray so this prophecy happens. Now Daniel could have had the opposite attitude. He could have said, well, God said we're going home. Praise God. Let's pack our bags and just stood around twirling our thumbs, singing, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are until we go home. And that would never have happened. Would never have happened. They would still be in Babylon today because that prophecy would not have come to pass. Hmm. So God knew when he spoke that prophecy through Jeremiah, God knew that Daniel would read it and pray it into existence. Remember, God can do nothing in the earth unless someone prays. We already proved that in our previous parts of this message. God said in Acts 2.17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. So God said in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon everybody. Right? Did he say that? Are we in the last days? Absolutely. God also said in Zechariah 10, verse 1, way back in the Old Testament, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. This is the time of the latter rain. 
He said, ask for rain. Now God said, I'll come to you like the rain. In other words, I'll pour out my spirit. I'll pour out my spirit, but God said, ask for it. Ask the Lord. Look at that verse. Ask the Lord for an outpouring in the time of the outpouring. Ask me for it. Are we doing that? I know some are. We all need to. Now look at this promise or prophecy. James 5 verse 7. I'll interpret it for you. I've put in brackets the explanation of each statement. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the end times. I'll put that in brackets for you to understand it. Be patient until the end times. All right? See how the farmer, who's the farmer? God the Father is the farmer. See how the farmer, God the Father, waits, waits for the fruit, the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting for the souls. He's waiting for the harvest of souls. He's waiting. God's waiting on us. Hello. Are we waiting on God? We got the cart before the horse. See how the farmer, God the Father, waits for the, pre the precious fruit of the earth, the harvest of souls, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain, until the outpouring of God's Spirit. The harvest will come in the last great outpouring of the Holy Ghost, which we've already been told will only come when we pray for it. Are you tracking me, church? Say this. I'm going to stop waiting for God. God's waiting for me. Will the church wake up and realize our responsibility? I'll ask you today. When God made all these wonderful end time prophecies about revival, he knew it would come to pass because he knew intercessors would step up and pay the price like Daniel did. He knew that in his last days, intercessors would step up and pay the price like Daniel did and pray the revival into being. Pray the outpouring of God's Spirit into existence. Now let's go back to Daniel and see what happened. Let's not leave Daniel there. Daniel 9 verse 3. Daniel says, So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with God in prayer and fasting. Daniel was fasting and praying for 21 days down at the river Tigris. He was fasting and praying. He stayed at the river Tigris on his own. For 21 days, fasting and praying in sackcloth and ashes. No food. Probably drank the water from the river. On the 21st day, a giant angel appeared to Daniel. His face was shining bright like lightning, according to Daniel. 
His eyes were like laser beams of fire. And his voice sounded like a multitude, like a football stadium going crazy when they scored a goal. That's what this man's voice, the angel's voice, sounded like. And Daniel fell on his face in a trance. And then this angel put his hand on Daniel's shoulder and raised him up and said, stand on your feet. Daniel 10, verse 10. Before I read that, let me say this. Daniel prayed, he interceded and sought the Lord, but because of the resistance from the powers of darkness in the heavenly atmosphere, it took 21 days for the answer to come, all right? We'll see that now. So he began to pray, and God heard his prayer the very first day and dispatched this mighty angel, but he couldn't get to Daniel for 21 days. He was held up in the atmosphere in the heavens by demon spirits preventing him from coming to Daniel. What would have happened if Daniel stopped praying after 10 days? He wouldn't have got the message. All right, Daniel 10, verse 10 then. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day, say from the first day, that you set your heart to understand. From the first day you began to fast and pray and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard in heaven and I have come because of your words. So God acted immediately. It was Satan who interrupted or interfered, who caused the delay. Verse 13. Now the angel says to Daniel, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. That could not be a natural man. A natural man cannot stop an angel like that. Are you with me? The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So this must be a mighty prince or a mighty demon that blocked him, that held on to this angel, probably wrestled with him preventing him from coming to Daniel. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes. Now, Michael, as we know, is the archangel of war. There were three archangels that God created. Gabriel is the one that brings the very important messages, like he came and spoke to Mary about the birth of Jesus. And... Um, then uh, Michael is the archangel of war. He, he runs the army. He controls the army of heaven. And Lucifer was created to lead the worship in heaven and turned against God. So now there's only two archangels left. So Michael, this angel says, Michael, one of your chief princes, the great angel of war, came to help me. Finally, on the 21st day, he came and rescued me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. 
So there were more demon spirits that stopped him, not just one. So the prince of the kingdom of Persia was a ruling demon spirit whom Satan had assigned to the natural king of Persia to influence the natural king of Persia and cause chaos and the ultimate destruction of the Persian kingdom. The Persian kingdom was destroyed because of the demonic spirit's influence in the lives of its kings. Satan is doing precisely that in the nations of the world today. His strategy has not changed. There are mighty demons assigned to the leaders of every country by Satan. If they are not born again, those demon spirits have control over those people. But if they are born again, angels camp around about them and protect them in all their ways. But we are to intercede against those demonic spirits, wrestle against them, force them back, command them to desist in their maneuvers, and allow God to bring angels in and bring those people who are not saved to Christ. Bring them to the senses like the prodigal son. Intercession can do that. We can turn this around. The church can turn around the problems of every nation. From this description, we see that earthly rulers have high-ranking demons assigned to them to influence their lives. So now, let's go back to Daniel. What happened to Daniel and that angel? This is very important. How many of you want to know? Well, you'll have to come next weekend. <laughs> you'll have to come to find out what happened to Daniel next weekend. You cannot afford to miss it. Because not only are you going to be a mighty warrior in God's kingdom, in his spiritual army, to change the direction of nations, but you're going to learn how to manage your own household and keep Satan and demons out, and how to bring in your own unsaved family and friends into the kingdom of Christ. That's what we will do. That's what we will do. You can't afford to miss it. And I have something to share to the leaders from the Spirit of God, but I'll do that next week. All right, so San Antonio, praise God. Thank you for joining us. Let's all bow our heads, please, and close our eyes. While heads are bowed and while eyes are closed, how many would say, Apostle Theo, I want to be sure I go to heaven one day. I don't want to wake up and find out that I missed heaven. If that's you today, you can be sure you will not go to hell, you will go to heaven. God is your Father and He has forgiven you and accepted you to be His child. If this is something you desire, when I count, 
to three. Slip up your hand, take that one step toward God and He'll take many towards you this morning. And you'll know for sure when I pray a simple prayer that God has accepted you as His child and He has forgiven you. You'll go home with that assurance. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, when I count to three, slip that hand up for just a moment. Just a moment. Are you ready? I won't embarrass anybody. You ready? One, two, three. Slip those hands up. Thank you. I see those hands. Keep them raised. And San Antonio, slip those hands up. And all of you watching live, online, slip those hands up if you don't know the Lord. Now, I invite everybody, please, including those who raise their hands, to say this little prayer with me. Everybody. If we do that, then those who are saying it for the first time will not be shy to join us. Are you ready? Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. He was punished in my place so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And because you are my Lord and Savior, I am born into God's family. God is my Father. I am God's child, and I am bound for heaven. Thank God I'm saved. Praise God. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.